are back. Welcome back to the Mother Daughter Disney Podcast. My name is Amanda. I'm here with my very lovely mother. I just realized we left the flowers in the middle of the table. We can't we're see We're just each looking other. through a thing of flowers. Hi. Yeah, show over those flowers. But yes, yeah, my name is Amanda. And I'm Jeanette. Yeah, and today we're both so excited because last night we went to the premiere of The Little Mermaid. Just at our local AMC, not not like the world premiere or anything like that. No, just <laughs> our local theater. Yeah, but we finally got to see the live action Little Mermaid, which we have both been looking forward to for so long now. And we are so excited to talk about the movie today. So just for, I don't know if this will be obvious or not, we were going to be, this episode will be filled with spoilers. We're going to be talking about the live action movies. So if you have not seen it yet and you don't want to be spoiled to the movie, definitely just put this podcast on pause for now. We have, uh, this is actually our 10th episode, believe it or not. So we have nine other episodes you can go listen to right now. And then after you see the movie, then definitely come back and check in. Or again, maybe if you're not thinking of seeing the movie in theaters, you can wait until it hits streaming. Definitely tune in and, and you know, we're going we're gonna to do a full review of it. Something that we're going to focus on is the differences between the live action and the original movie. Since I think a lot of us already know the, the plot of The Little Mermaid, you know, there's no use of going through in depth into the plot, of course. So yeah, so we'll go through a lot of the differences. So before I we saw the live action movie, the night before, I did rewatch the original movie. When I was little, I did absolutely love the original Little Mermaid movie as well. I mean, like, honestly, who didn't love The Little Mermaid movie? <laughs> it was one of my favorites when it came out. Yeah, for sure. So, but all right, let's get into it. So yeah, so we saw this movie on Friday, May 26th. The movie, of course, stars Halle Bailey as Ariel, Jonah Huar King as Eric, Melissa McCarthy as Ursula, Javier Bardem as King Trident, and we also have David Diggs as Sebastian, Jacob Tremblay as Flounder, and Aquafina as Scuttle. The runtime is around, it's, it's just under two hours, I would say. And before we get into anything else, I just want to note there were quite a lot of, if you go see AMC, of course, there's always a lot of previews for movies. And we both noticed that there was not a preview for Elemental, no. which is the new Disney Pixar movie that's coming out in June. So we were like, that's interesting. Yeah, I was shocked <laughs> after all the ones we saw. Yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like they have not really been marketing Elemental very well, honestly. I feel no. like I see very little about it, even though this movie's coming out in just a few weeks, which we are going to see Elemental, and then we will also do a full podcast on that. That one, we'll go into a deep dive into the plot, of course, since that's in a new original movie, and, you know, of course, no one's going to know the, the plot of Elemental until we go see it, so. All right, so are we are we ready? I'm ready. Yeah, so my mom doesn't know all the differences yet, so uh, so for now, although, wait, let's just go through overall. Overall, what'd you think of the movie? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so. I came out saying Wow, but I do love a romantic comedy. So (laughs) my my husband said, "What do you mean? It's not a romantic comedy." Said, "What would you call it? It's got romance and it's got comedy. It's a romantic comedy." No, I definitely would agree. It's like we both thought. I thought it's absolutely wonderful. I thought it was so whimsical. It was so magical. Uh It really keeps to the. They did a good job. Yeah, the essence of the original movie, but they also added in a lot of really great Uh touches as well. I also want to note too, we have the door open, so if you hear some birds, don't mind the little birdies in the background. (laughs) But yeah, I thought we would just cut to the chase and just say we both love the movies. So, mm-hmm. you know, right off the bat. But, all right. So starting right off from the beginning, the, for the most part on an overall basis, the movie from the very beginning when all the underwater scenes are almost essentially the same as the original movie. So, of course, the movie starts, we see the water looking over the ocean, and then we see Prince Eric's ship and his crew. The main difference in this scene is that in the newer movie, Prince Eric's crew are trying to harpoon a mermaid that they see in the water. They're trying to capture a mermaid, essentially. And Eric stops them. He says that we don't know for sure if these mermaids are, are bad or good or whatever, because they kind of believe the traditional siren songs of mermaids that mermaids will sing to sailors to lure them to their deaths so that's 
what they believe in in their lore. So that is something that's introduced right in the beginning and is carried along through the entire movie. And that is something that is not in the original movie. So I kind of like that a lot because it's it's a little bit more interesting. gives gives It gives more background, I suppose, to the humans in the Little Mermaid movie. We also see too that Grimsby, who is I don't really know exactly what it is. He's sort of like a personal servant, yeah, like a butler servant, to like a Prince Eric, a majordomo like kind yeah. of thing to take care of him. So in the so this is something I was hoping would make the live action movie that it sadly did not. In the original movie, a fisherman hands Grimsby a fish, and the fish slaps him in the face a few times before it falls into the ocean. This time instead, Grimsby just kind of trips on the ship, and he drops a telescope into the ocean instead. And then we follow the telescope under the water, and that is when we are introduced to under under the sea, so to speak. And this is one of the coolest scenes when you first get under the sea, when you first start seeing the mermaids. I thought that was really interesting how yeah, they, they start showing. really made you feel like you were underwater. Yeah, because they showed the tails mm-hmm. at first, and you just see the fins, but you're not really sure what it is at first. Like, is it a dolphin? Is it you know something mm-hmm. else? And then you realize like, oh wait, no, these are all the mermaids, and absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is another difference too, how they did the tails of all the mermaids and like what they're wearing is very mm-hmm. different and stunning. <laughs> like the CGI these days are are is, is, has been improved many uh, trifold for sure. <laughs> so all right, so then we're introduced to the concept of the coral moon, where all of seven of King Triton's daughters and their people will come basically to like the main castle, so to speak. They don't really go into detail about what the coral mm-hmm. moon is for, other than this, other no, than the just fact, that they meet. Yeah, right. other than the fact everyone just kind of comes back together and talks to each other. And they also don't discuss like it almost is presented at kind of like a business meeting. It's like I guess like the daughters are updating him. They're on his council, right? Because they do go to all the seven seas. Yeah, for sure. But again, they don't really go into a lot of detail other than that. And the fact, obviously, that Ariel is not there. And so, of course, this differs from the original movie, where in the original movie, they were doing a special concert. So the girls were performing a special concert. And Ariel was supposed to be like the main singer, so to speak, in this concert. So instead, now we've gone from a special singing concert to sort of like a family meeting. (laughs) And then we were introduced to King Triton's seven daughters. They did rename all of the daughters for the new movie. So in the in the cartoon movie, his seven daughters are named Atina, Alana, Adela, Aquata, Arista, and Andrina. And the new names for the daughters are now Perla, Indria, Mala, Tamika, Karina, and Caspia. Hmm. So they did change all the names. I do like all the new names as well. I kind of like that they're not all A names. A's, as I said the first time, they just did all A's. Yeah, I kind of like that in the original movie because it's kind of quirky, you know, cartoony to have all the girls with the A names, but I do kind of like that they changed the names. I don't know about all the meaning behind all the names. I'm sure there is some meaning behind the names of why they changed all the names, but I'm I'm not 100% sure why. And they don't go into it, obviously, in the movie either. So, of course, then the scenes, the next few scenes are kind of all the same for the most part that, you know, then we see Ariel when introduced to her. She's finding the telescope that Grimsby had dropped into the ocean in a reef, and she swims off into the sunken ships with Flounder. They did keep one of my favorite lines from the original movie, and that is, she says to Flounder, don't be such a guppy. <laughs> when they're when he's a bit scared yeah. to go into the sunken ships with her. And I thought that was so funny and so cute, the concept of calling someone a guppy. So I would like to bring that into my real life if we're being honest. So all right, there's only a few minor differences in this scene. So in this scene, when they're in the sunken ship in the main cabin, Ariel sees a map and she kind of opens up the map for a second and starts looking at the map. And that's and then right before when she sees that, that's when she sees the shark. The map is not in the original movie, and that is going to allude to some scenes later on in the movie when Ariel and Eric are gonna look at maps together, just kind of showing her interest in learning about the world. Ariel also does a clever trick using a mirror to get the shark trapped into the sunken ship, which is also not in the original movie, which I kind of like that too. It kind of shows the cleverness that Ariel has, that she's, you know, the, to try to get herself out of a sticky situation. Yeah, she kind of knows what to do. So of course, then then Ariel goes to Scuttle and she shows him the idol, the items that she found. And this was a weird scene to me because Scuttle dives underwater and is then talking to them underwater. And I was like, how can Scuttle breathe underwater? Scuttle is a seagull. <laughs> 
or a pelican. I was like, this is very strange. There's a couple of things that happen in this movie that you say can't possibly yeah, happen. Yeah, and it, it's like, I realize it's a movie about mermaids. Yes. I get it. But it's like, <laughs> let me tell you, the bird breathing underwater really took you out of it for a second. I did think it was kind of weird. And then Scuttle does have a throwaway line at the very end where he's like, well, I got to swim up to get some air. And I'm like, yeah, how are you talking this whole time? And it's not like a short conversation. It's a fairly long conversation they're having. So I don't really know why they have it under the water and not just slightly above the water. I, I suppose it's because the first time we see Ariel break the surface is when she sees the ship and Eric and the fireworks and stuff. So maybe they were waiting for that big moment right. of her to they're break the surface that. then. Yeah. But it was just very interesting though, because I was like, how is Scuttle breathing underwater? <laughs> so... All right, the next few scenes are kind of all the same. King Triton, of course, scolds Ariel for forgetting the coral moon thing. And then Flounder, by accident, lets it slip about the shark. And then King Triton immediately realizes that she went to the sunken ships. In the OG movie, she had went to the surface to see Scuttle. So again, the same vibes that she's not supposed to go to the surface, of course. And King Triton still sends Sebastian off to watch Ariel. I also wanted to note, too, in this, in the live-action version, his guards are mermen, which are interesting. In the original movie, he kind of has sea creatures as his guards. So, for okay. instance, one of my Little, one of my favorite little characters in the original movie was this little seahorse and he has this little collar around his oh, neck okay. and he is so cute and there are seahorses in the under the sea scene but yeah but his his little seahorse was replaced by proper mermen <laughs> who are guarding King Triton which honestly makes a lot more sense, sense to be guarded by mermen seahorse. than right. seahorse but I did kind of miss that though and then now of course we get into Ariel and Flounder who are introduced to her grotto for the first time essentially this scene is basically exactly the same as the original movie there's very little that's different. Something that I wanted to note is that the beginning of the song has very little production and really leans in on Hallie's voice, which is the same as the original movie. And I'm glad that they did that because I think in recent Disney movies on a very general sense, a lot of the movies have way more production than some of the older films used to have. So for instance, if we compare the Little Mermaid songs to the Encanto songs, drastically different types mm. of songs, you know? So I really like that they kind of kept to that. And I guess we can talk to here. Hallie's voice was absolutely amazing. She is such oh, a Oh, she was really good. Yeah. I such a lovely singing yes. voice yeah she was good I gotta tell you she was exceptional yeah and like it's some one of those things too where she makes the song a little bit her own like the way she sings it you can mm -hmm. tell it's her singing it she's not just trying to copy Jody. you know the way that she sang mm -hmm. the, the, the same part of your world but it, it's still that classic longing feeling that you know we would imagine in the part of your world that this is all that she wants this is all that she's ever dreamt of and it's the only goal that she has in life and she does a phenomenal job of it all right so of course and then we have the fireworks that she sees at the surface which intrigues her so she goes up at the surface and she watches the fireworks. A lot of this is essentially the same, but it, they, they've added a little bit more to it. So she gets to the ship. She watches them singing and dancing. Max, who is Eric's dog, still comes up to her. In the original movie, Max licks her face. In this one, she's just kind of petting Max. So they immediately have that little bond between the two of them, which I really love. And then she overhears a very passionate speech given by Eric about how much she really wants to explore the unknown. He wants to help his people become more cultured. He wants to connect his people to other cultures around the world. And he doesn't want his people to be left behind. He really essentially is saying he doesn't be forced to sit in the castle you know you know you know as the with his mother who is the current queen and essentially you know be royal so to speak he wants to be kind of be out there and ariel of course really connects to the speech because that's, that's exactly how she feels you know the the burden of expectations on royalty so to speak if we're assuming that they're, they're both royal of course and so it's also something too where we see more character of eric and himself too that we see more personality behind him about what he truly cares about who he kind of is and here we are also introduced to the idea that he was found from a shipwreck himself 
himself and that the king and queen had taken him in as their own. Mm -hmm. So again, this is different from the OG movie as well because Eric's parentage was never discussed at all. Like it was never mentioned. So we never really knew about Eric's parents or, you know, the the state of the kingdom, so to speak at all. So, and this becomes a major plot point as well. It is implied that the king is no longer, that he has passed away and it's only his queen, his mother, who is still ruling at the moment, which is why he is so important because he's the heir to the throne, of course. So, so then of course we still have the storm that happens. The ship gets destroyed. Ariel saves Eric. And then Eric goes back to save Max, of course. And it's funny because he throws Max off the ship. And even in the moment when he threw Max off that ship into the ocean and Max has to swim then to the lifeboats where all the men are, I was thinking, it's like, this is a very long distance for this dog Dog. to swim from the sinking ship to that lifeboat. And sure enough, as I was thinking that, then you see under the water Ariel go and she kind of pushes Max along to get him to the lifeboat. And when that happened, I was like, yeah, I thought so. It was a long (laughs) distance for that dog. Well, it was better than leaving him on the ship. Let's put it that way. No, yeah, for sure. I just thought it was kind of funny because I was like, oh my gosh, like this dog is like, he's really struggling to make it to that lifeboat. But it's okay. The dog survives, of course. It is a Disney movie. Right. They're going to kill the dog. I also want to note too, we do see the statue of the man fall into the water. In the original movie, this was supposed to be a replica of Eric himself, which was a gift from Grimsby. In the live action movie, it just looks like it's a generic statue of a man. It doesn't seem like there's any significance to it. And it definitely does not look like Prince Eric in my opinion. No, it doesn't. It's a lot older. Yeah. So then of course, again, Ariel saves Eric and then he wakes up to her singing. But again, because he's like just waking up and it's bright, he doesn't really see her face very clearly. He mainly just hears her voice. And in the original movie, I think too, Max finds him first. I don't think it's like the men who find him first. Yeah, they come running down the beach in this one. Yes. So Ariel, of course, returns home and then her sisters are cleaning off some wreckage of the ship from a destroyed reef. This is the only scene that we see Ariel with her sisters, which again, kind of differs from the original movie where there is no scene with Ariel and her sisters in the original movie. And they're sort of venting about how humans are destroying the reef and that they're not considering of the sea life. Ariel points out, it's not like they wanted their ship to get wrecked. You know, it's not like they planned for this. And then they kind of get into a little tiff with each other and she swims off. And the sisters then sort of start to allude to the idea. It's like, oh, when when we were like her age, we didn't want to hang out with our sisters. Like we all, they had one thing in mind and they kind of imply like, I wonder who the lucky man is. Mm -hmm. And that's when King Triton overhears that and realizes like, oh, maybe she's met someone, you know, she's in love with someone. I also like how they say lucky man because they're mermaids. (laughs) They don't like men. So I realized too, they're like mermen. So I get they're just like cutting off the merman. Right, they're just... I kind of thought that was funny when she was like, who's the lucky man? I'm like, well, that's an interesting way to put it for mermaids to say this, but... (laughs) So of course, then Sebastian goes and he finds her and they sing Under the Sea together. And I love how they did the Under the Sea Mm -hmm. scene. I thought it was was still so whimsical the way they brought in all of the actual, like the real ocean life, so to speak, into into it. Right, into the scene, yes. Yeah, and how they did like the choreography of them Mm -hmm. like dancing, but it's not too like cartoony. It's not that it looks realistic necessarily either. No, but they brought in a lot of real fish, a lot of real aqua life that um, you see at the aquariums really Mm -hmm. that you don't really see in real life because they're really deep down under the sea. Yeah, but yeah, I really like how they did this. They also gave some vocals to Hallie as well, where she was singing some of the backup vocals, which mm-hmm. made it so pretty, honestly. Like mm-hmm. it added so much more to like the atmosphere of the song with her singing. And so I thought that was really great. I kind of wish they did that now in the original movie. Now hearing this one, I was like, oh my gosh, that would sound so pretty if, if Jody was also singing in the original Under the Sea. And then the same thing still happens when Ariel and Flanders swim off together and likely to go find the statue of the man. We don't actually see them do that in the live action mm-hmm. movie, but it's kind of implied. So now I will say I'm forgetting 
some of the order of these scenes, but at mm. some point around this time in the movie, this is when we go back to Prince Eric. He has obviously been saved. He is with his mother and the queen who is very concerned about his health. Obviously the heir to her throne just was in a major shipwreck. She's quite concerned. And he points out again that the importance of not wanting his culture to fall behind with the other cultures. But the queen notes how many shipwrecks there have been recently and everything that he went to go trade for is now all at the bottom of the ocean. So all that work that he was away for so many months kind of amounted to nothing, which is kind of sad if you think about it. Of course, then Eric runs off and he sings a new song, a ballad called Wild Uncharted Waters, essentially about wanting to find Ariel, about hearing the voice, how her voice is kind of stuck in his head, but also his love for exploring uncharted waters. And I really like the song. I thought this was a really great addition to the overall movie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's something Disney has been doing more recently as well, is writing emotional ballads for male characters. The first time we saw this was with Kristoff in Frozen 2. So I'm glad that they're kind of writing more ballads for men in this way. Well, they're trying to build up their characters as opposed to just being the the, the male sidekicks. Exactly. It gives him more of an arc, you know, Mm -hmm. same thing when we were with Aladdin, Jasmine had her own song that gave her more of an arc than background to like what she wanted, what her importance was, especially too, since they're essentially the main two characters. (laughs) So yeah, but it's a really lovely song. So I'm kind of glad they added that in. Then we have King Triton and someone Sebastian to find out who Ariel's in love with. And Sebastian lets it slip that Ariel went to the surface. King Triton goes, of course, to her grotto and destroys basically the entire grotto and reprimands her. And then this is when we are finally sort of introduced to Ursula. So there were a few earlier scenes with Ursula a little bit, but we never really saw her face. We never really saw what was going on. We kind of knew that she wanted to take down King Triton and she does refer to him as her brother, which makes it more canon that uh, mm-hmm. Ursula and King Triton are siblings. And then we later learned that King Triton is her older brother as well. This has been in some of the other Little Mermaid cartoons in the past where they're siblings, like sibling rivalry, but it's never really been fully explored. And if I'm being honest, it's not fully explored in this movie either. It's just mentioned. No, it's just mentioned that she just wants to see him suffer. Yeah, so, but they never, they don't go into detail of like why, why? Ursula is right. exiled, like why she got banished, things like that. So we don't know that for sure. So I kind of wish that wasn't it, but I realized too, the movie's already like two hours and she's not the focus of the movie. No. But the focus is on Ariel. Mm-hmm. So I get it. <laughs> but All right. So now we have her two eels come in. They kind of form this magic cir- circle where Ursula is able to talk to Ariel through this circle. So of course, in the original movie, the eels can just speak themselves. I don't know why the eels can't talk in this movie, but they don't speak in this movie. They're just kind of there. Yeah, they really don't. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was out of all the characters that are talking in this movie, you know, the bird, the flounder, <laughs> the, they just the crab. <laughs> there is a really funny line when Ariel, when Ursula is introducing herself and Ariel doesn't know who she is and she's like, I'm Ursula, you know, you're your aunt. And she goes, the sea witch? And Ursula goes, the what? Because <laughs> apparently she did not know that is what she's referred to. <laughs> but it was very funny though. And Melissa McCarthy delivered that line very well. Yeah, <laughs> she did. <laughs> of course, and now we go into Ursula's cave. I would say this is all much creepier than the original movie. Yes, they did make her very yeah. dark. Very yeah, dark, very... Um, her was... much darker, the cave much darker, the entrance like she's uh, swimming through. I almost said <laughs> walking through. Swimming through. She all, they like also the make her seem like a real octopus because she's upside down at some point sideways where in the original movie she's always just really floating around. She does have more tentacles than Mm -hmm. an octopus does. She has way more than eight is what Mm -hmm. I mean. But yeah, but the way that she moves is much more like how you would see an octopus move Mm -hmm. than just kind of floating around which makes her creepier from being quite honest. But I really like that though when it makes it a bit more authentic to the creature that she is. Mm -hmm. So I'll say this is not canon so this is just lore that I've read elsewhere but apparently part of the reason I say in quotations that she was banished is because she decided to take that form of the 
tentacle like oh, okay. creature rather than the the traditional mermaid form with mm-hmm. the with the mermaid tail. So I mean, like, apparently that that was something she chose to do was to, to do. take that I don't know the the octopusy type form. Oh. <laughs> I will say one of my favorite lines from the original movie is still in the live action movie, which I was so excited for because <laughs> this is my favorite line in the original movie, and that is when Ariel is first entering into the cave and she sort of sees Ursula. Ursula goes, "Come in, child. We mustn't lurk in passageways. It's rude." <laughs> I absolutely love it. In the original movie, she says hallways, but it makes more sense as actually a passage passageway in a hallway. So of course, then we get kind of all all the same that we would have expected. Ursula explains who she is. She performs poor unfortunate souls to convince Ariel to take the potion to turn into a human. After three days, if she doesn't have true love's kiss from Eric, she'll turn back into a mermaid and belong to Ursula. They did change some of the lyrics in this song. I think they changed the verse when about Ariel's like because Ariel says, "Well, how am I supposed to get Eric to fall in love with me if I don't have my voice?" And there's a whole verse of Ursula saying, "Like, well, you have your looks, you'll have." you know your pretty face they took out the iconic line and don't forget about the importance of body, body language, language which i think she would have delivered perfectly I know, right? so they took that out but also in that verse too was a lot of lines that had to deal with how men actually don't really care what you have to say that you know you're just kind of there to be their you know their accessory in recent years has been become much more controversial they mm-hmm. kind of took those parts out to not allude to the fact that men don't care what women have to say and so instead though part of this verse now contains lyrics so instead ariel refuses the potion just kind of outright and she starts to swim away and then Ursula uses Triton's words against Ariel to again convince her to kind of take the potion. The one thing that I don't like about this scene is that in the original movie Ariel had a line that when she was thinking about it she said so if I turn into a human I'll never see my father and my sisters again and I really like that line because we don't really see Ariel and her father and her sisters on good terms ever in the movie. It's only ever them kind of at odds with each other but I like that line because it still shows that Ariel still has a very strong connection to her family that she still loves her family very deeply but she just has this part of that wants to be in the human world and it's implied when she refuses the potion outright that that's why that she's like no I can't do that like I can't abandon my family and everything I've ever known but it's not in it which I don't know I just really like that line and it kind of wish it was so again the only scene we have of Ariel with her sisters is when they're kind of fighting when they're cleaning up the shipwreck mm-hmm. and in the original movie there's no scenes with Ariel and her no. sisters which I think is a bit of a shame to a certain Till the very extent. end yeah so I kind of wish they they kept that line in or kept something like that line in mm-hmm. because I don't know it just shows that Ariel still loves her family it's not like she's selfish you know I don't see Ariel as a selfish character in that sense or no. self-centered in that sense so another difference in this is that instead of ariel signing a contract with her name instead she has to drop one of her mer- mermaid scales into the potion with like a bit of blood in it and i really like this change <laughs> because this is one of the conspiracy theories sort of around the original movie was why ariel couldn't just write down her name or write down what was going on to eric when she got to the human world part of people was like oh well she can't speak english she can't write it's like but she can write it's proving she can write when she signs that contract <laughs> in english with her name and she actually has very nice penmanship so I kind of like that they took that out and just did it with the scale because it kind of removes that element of like maybe she can't write maybe she doesn't know she doesn't know how language. to write she didn't learn how to write on the sea yeah exactly right. so I, I kind of like that I also I think it makes more sense too like potion wise if you're thinking of like witches and wizards type stuff like to use like a scale of yourself like, like a drop of hair you know is often a thing yeah, in more of potions a, yes more of a potion than signing yeah. a contract so now once Ariel is swimming to the surface this is when the movie starts to drastically change from the original movie not drastically change I guess but there's a lot more details that are quite different the first thing is that she's caught in a fisherman's net and the fisherman brings her onto his boat and he gives her kind of like the scrap of fabric for her to wrap herself in. In the original movie, she just washes up on shore and Eric actually finds her on shore. We still have the same scene with Scott Scuttle. Once we get to land, the fisherman kind of says like, I'll bring you to the castle. They'll know what to do. And then we have a new song, which is called For the First Time. And this is kind of a song that Ariel is singing in her head as she's seeing everything in the human world for the first time. And I really like this inclusion of this song. One, we get to hear more of Hallie singing. She has a lovely voice as we've already previously discussed. Mm-hmm. But we also get to understand a bit more of what Ariel 
is going through and also like knowing what she's thinking without actually her having been able to talk so we kind of see like what's inside of her mind which i also really like and we also get to hear again just that excitement of her being able to see everything she's ever dreamt of seeing for the first time like this is everything she's ever wanted and she's finally made it so of course then some ladies means clean ariel up and she's quite naive and innocent to everything she takes a bite out of a bar of soap which is kind of funny but i want to say when people go to lush which is kind of like a bath store like a fancy <laughs> bath and body work store i have seen people try to eat the lush products before because okay. <laughs> it does look quite appetizing when you go to lush <laughs> if you don't know what lush is that doesn't make sense lush but, is, yeah. <laughs> but it's basically just like a fancy soap store but right. i thought that was funny because i'm like oh people lush i've seen that happen before <laughs> ariel is very excited because when they find out it's like oh this girl you know is lost at sea he comes he runs into her room and when he realizes that she cannot speak he kind of turns away disappointed and Ariel's also a bit sad too. At this point she goes to her window and then Sebastian finds her but this is when Sebastian realizes that Ursula changed the potion a little bit from the original movie. Actually bewitched the potion so that Ariel will not remember that she has to get the kiss in three days. So once Sebastian starts to talk to her about it he realizes that her eyes kind of glaze over and she she can't hear it and he puts it together because he's a very smart crab. Right. <laughs> he's like oh no she and she says it for the audience she's bewitched she, <laughs> she does not know about the three days for the kiss. I must help her instead. And this is clearly for the children in the audience who may be a bit lost in what's happening right. in the movie. <laughs> but I really like that though. Then Ariel goes to explore the castle on her own and she finds Eric's private collection room. And here, as a collector herself, she's fascinated with everything. She kind of starts to go through all of his little tokens. Eric finds her in here. He notes that no one ever goes in this room because it's his room and to everyone else, this is just a bunch of junk. <laughs> but to Ariel, of course, this is a collection of interesting stuff. And they kind of start, he starts to share some stories about his collection with her. He also shows her a fossil and when he shows her this like rare unique fossil he found under the water she merely picks up the fossil and smashes it to the ground to reveal a geoid that was inside of the fossil he also shows her a conch shell which she takes and she blows into it to create a horn type sound and eric is quite confused how she knows these things about the sea life that he's like how did you know that <laughs> which of course we know that because she's a mermaid right. ariel of course is also fascinated by the maps and has erica go through all the different maps with her showing the world showing the kingdom and again this is where we first see the bond between them and I really love how they created this bond between them that they have so much in common they share a lot of the same values a lot of the same interests a lot of the same wants to be explorers to see the world to understand things but also how they both feel trapped by that burden of you know when you're royal and those expectations that come along with royalty so again we have more of that genuine connection between them which I think is a great addition to to the live action movie Grinsby also sees this as well and then he sort of starts to forget the girl who rescued him you know on the beach as right. he's turning his head more towards Aaron and Grimsby is seems very happy to push him along towards Ariel <laughs> than to you know fill his head with fantasy of someone he doesn't even know which is, is also kind of funny this entire first day is quite different from the original movie so in the original movie Ariel does still get cleaned up but then they have dinner together with Grimsby and we also the entire scene of Sebastian fighting with the chef is completely cut from the live action oh, that's movie. right yeah yeah which is kind of sad to a certain extent because it is a very humorous scene humorous in the scene. in, in the him cartoon around, yes I do think it would have been difficult to do in reality you know, I think also it might have been a bit darker in reality to have the actual human man trying to kill a very small crab. crab. <laughs> so perhaps it makes sense why they cut yes. it out. But that that was cut out, and that mm -hmm. was essentially what the whole first day looked like. In the second day, they take the horse they, they take the horse and carriage into the village. We still have the same scene, which I was kind of hoping that they would keep, where Ariel takes the reins of the horse and she kind of goes crazy with it. <laughs> so I think they did it really well. There was a much more heightened of her actually almost hitting people and other things right. and animals. Right. <laughs> it was it was very exciting too. She gets into the village with the merchants, and this is where we get the dinglehopper scene because again we didn't get the scene in with the dinner with them so someone offers her food seemingly for free which 
is quite nice of them yeah. <laughs> because in Aladdin is the complete opposite where right. they almost take they're giving hand. her samples of everything yes <laughs> yeah and she gives her a fork to eat it and of course Ariel thinks you know the fork's She's for her hair and then hair. everyone gives her a bit of odd looks and she right. quickly puts the forks down and, and walks away and we still get a fun cute dance with Ariel and Eric dancing with the villagers which I really wanted them to keep in because I love that scene from the original movie it also reminds me of Rapunzel as well when Rapunzel and Flynn have their dancing scene in the village and it's the same vibes too where it's like the girl is so new to like the, the world that and you know he's introducing to everything and you know she's so starry-eyed now we have Sebastian and Scuttle working together to get them onto the rowboat so they can set the mood for kiss the girl they also know too that if Ariel knew that they were trying to intervene she would stop them so they're aiming for Eric instead so as they're singing kiss the girl it was important to note some lyrics were also changed in this version as well you know the lyrics that were changed I don't no. know if you remember them so there was some controversy around some of the original lyrics about consent that he was trying to force himself on her which when you read the lyrics I don't really think it was I that crazy so. the original lyric is from the second verse it's the lyric stands possible she want you to there is one way to ask her it don't take a word not a single word go on and kiss the girl and it has now been revised to possible she want you she want you to use your words boy and ask her if the time is right and the time is tonight go on and kiss the girl so very minor changes but they mm-hmm. did change it a little bit eric also learns her name a little bit differently too because when he asks her his name sebastian just kind of whispers her name in his yeah. ear and he just somehow hears it in the wind and yeah. find, figures it out on his own mm-hmm. but here though he's showing ariel the constellations again things that he loves and she's fascinated with and he shows her the constellation aries and she kind of uses the constellation aries to kind of form formulate the word ariel with him which i thought was really cute that yeah. she gets to tell him she gets her to name. tell him what her name is yeah and also you know i saw something online of someone say too that's really cute that he was always following the constellation aries to navigate the world the way that he's now been navigated to ariel which mm-hmm. i thought was kind of sweet mm-hmm. the eel still flipped the boat upside down ursula ne- realizes that she needs to intervene and she didn't think a mermaid without her siren voice would be able to convince a human to fall in love with her so again she didn't give her credit but i kind of like how they're really focusing on the siren singing in this because again that's not in the original movie but it's something that's quite popular within mermaid and siren lore in a very general sense so again we go back to the castle and then we see you know eric and ariel kind of hiding from his mother i'm kind of annoyed at grimsby because eric starts to open up to ariel about the pressures of expectation and then grimsby finds them hiding in like the little alcove and it's like what you guys doing (laughs) it's like dude he was about to open up and say something important but we didn't get it so i kind of wish we had that grimsby also kind of pushes eric more towards ariel eric being a man goes out to the beach to think about his thoughts (laughs) now he's out there brooding thinking about his thoughts and then he realizes ariel is the one and as he's running back up to the castle that is when we see vanessa who is ursula's human form start to use ariel's voice and lures him back to the beach he sees vanessa and then we kind of see the look in his eyes change there's kind of this golden look to his eyes as he's placed under a spell from ursula so it's heavily implied that he's placed under a spell and we know that that's for sure from the original movie as well so i think in you know in the next morning scuttle comes to tell them and this is a new song too they added called the scuttle butt which mm. is just a funny just little song. you know like a little comedic relief type mm. song delivering the news that eric plans to propose to someone he barely knows today ariel thinks it's her she goes she runs down she overhears vanessa talking to the queen in grimsby and grimsby is also quite confused why eric wants to do this so quickly and right. eric is also quite aloof and confused mm. as well <laughs> so alluding to the fact he's under a spell that like he doesn't really know what's going on like he right. seems quite confused then ariel runs away sad and then we still have the same scene where scuttle realizes that vanessa is ursula when he hears ariel singing again through the song goes and he sees ursula with the enchanted necklace and her true reflection in the mirror which is the same as the original movie right so then we got our, our core team scuttle flounder and sebastian go find ariel inform her of the trick that ursula is playing and she runs back to the to the palace back at the palace eric and asks grimsby if he's seen ariel all day because he's been looking for her and grimsby points out that yeah she ran away because she was sad because you're marrying someone else <laughs> 
So Eric is still quite confused. Is the thing. Well, do you blame him? <laughs> but it's one of those things where someone pointed out online that even under Ursula's spell, like he still has that longing for Ariel. Like uh-huh. he still knows his Ariel deep down and the spell can't fully erase Ariel from his mind, which I kind of like that in that sense. And then we see the queen gives Eric a ring, like a family ring so he can propose. And she kind of admits to him, it's like, at this point, I just want you to be happy. And I'm glad you found someone who's going to make you happy. But then Scuttle comes and pushes Vanessa away and Eric drops the ring. I'm only mentioning this because then when they're looking for the ring, Grimsby kicks it far away into nowhere (laughs) and we never see them again. Right. (laughs) He gets it out of the way so they don't find it. Right. So I kind of like that difference. I thought it was kind of funny. Ariel, of course, gets her. She fights with Vanessa. She gets the necklace, breaks it, and her voice returns, breaking the spell. And Eric realizing that it's been her all along. And just as the sun sets, Ariel turns back into a mermaid. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Wasn't the original one where she was supposed to be marrying? Yeah, he was supposed to be marrying. This one, he's not marrying her. They're just making an announcement. Well, he's just proposing in this one. So, and also, they were on a ship last time. Like, Mm -hmm. they were literally on the ship in oh the that's of the right ocean. okay yeah. whereas this time they're kind of just like on the, on the patio, side, patio right. which looks very fancy honestly i would love mm-hmm. to be in that quite quite the nice views yes beautiful honest, beautiful so. castle with beautiful views now the people are horrified to see that ariel is a mermaid because again we have that prejudice of the humans mm. against mermaids yeah, the mother calls her a sea mermaids. creature yeah yes. and the mermaids against the humans and that's why i like that they introduced that so early that we already know that the humans don't like the mer people ursula also transforms back into herself which is all through smoke and shadow and we just see a bunch of tentacles and then i will say this was so scary to me when you see her and she's like aggressively crawling to Ariel to grab her and then they think she jumps off the cliff with her right. which was like 50 feet quite high up because this is also in the original movie as well when she crawls to her to grab her but seeing like it live action I was like that is so scary <laughs> to see this person with like 20 tentacles crawling towards you coming to like eat you basically <laughs> it's like they did it quite well again they made Ursula much more creepier which I do like I love that darker shade of Ursula yeah. I think that makes it a lot more fun Eric wants to go to her right away but the queen stops him because she's like they're not of the same world as us it's like that's not our responsibility it's like we're not getting mixed up with like their their problems so to speak obviously eric does not listen being a 21 year old so he, he he leaves anyway anyway we go back underwater ursula reminds ariel of the kiss and of course ariel realizes that she was tricked because she could not remember the kiss when she was in her human form king triton comes to save her I forgot to mention that before flounder went to go tell tell king triton of what was going on that's how king triton knows king triton gives his trident to ursula and then he just dissolves into ash which was very disturbing honestly i was like oh damn he just straight up died <laughs> so ursula goes to kill ariel and eric hits her with her spear ursula goes into that gigantic form and she starts to turn up that whirlpool of all the sunken ships and right as she's about to kill eric ariel struggle buses it real hard and she turns the ship that she's on to get the pointy part of the front of the ship to pierce ursula and this is different from the original movie where in the original movie it was switched where eric was the one on the ship to save ariel now ariel is oh, the okay. one I to save that. eric and i also kind of like this too because that means ariel is the one to i mean like it sounds dramatic but to kill ursula she's the one that takes yeah. that ownership over that scene is eric. also a very um, graphic tough scene yeah too. it's a very dramatic scene yes. it's quite scary for being really mm-hmm. honest it's, it's like one of those things it's like i'd be scared to go swimming again if i yeah, saw that I it's like just being pulled underwater at that point then if ursula you know fades you know underwater we don't really see exactly what happens to her and then ariel must decide as the trident is falling into the water should she go up to eric who is he's he's floating with a piece of wood so he's not drowning or anything like that or she should go down to the trident to for her father and she picks her father so she swims down and she retrieves the trident and then as soon as the trident hits the sand king trident is just brought back to life honestly or king triton is 
just brought back to Unless life. Unless they take the power back. Yep. Right. And then they have a mini little heart-to-heart moment where he kind of reminds her again, Eric is of the human world and you're of the people world and, you know, it's supposed to be separate. Eric makes it ashore. He basically has the same conversation with his mother where her, his mother's like, they're the people in their world and we're in our world and we must have different worlds. And they kind of go into little separate directions at that point. And then we still have the same scene of Ariel laying on the rock, looking longingly at the beach in the castle. And King Triton has his realization that Ariel will never be happy in the water. And at the end of the day, what he wants to see is his daughter happy and fulfilled. And so it's assumed that he turns her back into human. We don't actually see the transformation. No. But what we do see is Eric and Max kind of playing fetch. And then Eric turns over and Ariel's just standing there in her in her cute little blue dress. I do like the dress that they put her in. Well, because he had put it back in the water. Yep. When he found it, yeah. when she first went, he, he ends up putting mm-hmm. it back in the water. Yeah. And it's funny that it's not torn when she puts it back on. It kind of looks it's in perfect nice, condition. So. so the movie ends with Ariel and Erica going out on the ship to explore uncharted waters and trade with other cultures. Ariel has a final heart to heart with her father and the mer people come to the shore. And for the first time, the mer people and the humans are united under Ariel and Eric. It is not implied if they were married or if they got like engaged or anything like that. So we don't know if they actually got married or anything. It's sort of just implied that they are together and that they're going to be together for the foreseeable future. And that's essentially how the movie ends. So great movie. A lot of a lot of minor differences, I would say. I feel like there's only a few major differences, like mm-hmm. the new songs, obviously, are the biggest, right. the major differences. And some more backstory to Eric were some of the major differences. Overall, I feel like the movie kept to the original essence very, very well. But still, again, everything they added, I loved all of the additions. There really wasn't addition I disliked. Again, that one line, you know, that was missing from the poor unfortunate soul scene. Mm-hmm. But again, quite minor in the grand scheme yeah, of things. Yeah, no, they kept really to the, to, the, to the story. And it was very entertaining, very good. Good, very touching, very scary, very... It was a mm-hmm. Disney movie. Yeah, did you, tear, did, did you, did you tear up at all? Yes. At which part? At the end, when <laughs> they, they meet up and they finally kiss and they finally do everything. I'm like, yeah. aww. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, at the very end, too, when Ariel and Erica reunited, this yes. little girl a few rows in front of us, I, apparently the whole movie, she raised a hand. She was holding two little mermaid, like, Barbies in her hand, and she was waving them around as Ariel and Erica reunited. And I was like, that is so cute. And she's so excited that she's, like, waving her little mermaids yeah. around. So. Yeah. People were clapping. It was... It was funny. It was, it was, it was, like I said, I do love a romantic comedy. It's a happy ending. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. And uh, we, we're always all looking for the happy ending. Yeah. So, yeah. so what was your favorite scene? My favorite scene is under the sea. Under the sea, yeah. Because I'm just an under the sea person. I love the steel drums. I love the, 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 I love when they play the steel drums. I love when they do that, that Caribbean feel. I thought it was really amazing. The the colors, how they mm-hmm. brought in, yeah. as we were talking about, how they brought in aquatic life that you're not used to seeing unless you go to an aquarium. It wasn't just the normal fish that everybody puts in their little things. They were actually showing fish mm-hmm. and aquatic life that you look at in the coral reefs that you see and say, oh my God, I can't believe that exists. Mm-hmm. And it does. So I thought they did a really beautiful job, colorful, lifelike. I thought everything about that was really fun. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree. I think that's a really great point. I guess something that we should also point out as well. We like to watch the credits of movies, so we stayed yes, we and watched do. the whole credits. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the credits, we found out this film was filmed in Sardinia, Sardinia. in Italy, which mm-hmm. is really cool. One, my mom has a first cousin who lives in Sardinia mm-hmm. in Italy, which is amazing. So mm-hmm. when we saw that, it's was like, we got to call her and be like, girl, watch the movie. Where, <laughs> yeah. Have you seen this? But also point out too, that they sort of changed the setting of the movie a little bit. So the original movie is supposed to take kind of off the place, off the coast of Denmark, whereas this one, I think is supposed to be in the Mediterranean, scene, somewhere more or less, in the Mediterranean, because they're yes. in Italy. 
Italy. However, with the steel drums, it has a very Caribbean vibe to mm -hmm. it, but there's no palm trees. So I don't really know if they're supposed to be in the Caribbean, but they just filmed it in Italy or if it is supposed to be the seas because it is the seven seas. That's right. technically what King Triton mm -hmm. is the, the king of. So yeah, so it's a bit ambiguous. They don't really go into it. Again, this is a story about mermaids. So yeah, but it's not know. in Denmark, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, again, it's a story about mermaids. Mm -hmm. So they could be anywhere. It could be fictional, obviously, of course. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just want to point out that they kind of changed it to be more of Caribbean vibes, which I kind of liked. I thought it, was, it made it a little bit more fun with the steel drums and everything. My favorite scene, this is very specific, but I again, I love that scene when Ariel breaks the fossil to find the geoid because oh. <laughs> can you imagine being Erica being like, look at this amazing artifact I that found I and, and you give it to someone you barely know. And she, <laughs> she really just breaks it. I feel like, what? <laughs> Like, I think that is so funny. That is like, I thought that was a great, again, that scene doesn't exist in the original movie, but I just thought that was so funny. I, I like that touch of it, of just Ariel just doing whatever she wants to do, you know? <laughs> right, who's your favorite character in the movie? Oh, Sebastian. Sebastian. I love Sebastian, just for his attitude. <laughs> I know, right? That was something we were talking about too in the car on the way home, was that the way that David Diggs played Sebastian was so well. He was able to show so much personality yes. and tone just through his voice, because not that the animators didn't do a good job with Sebastian as the little crab. But no, they did. They did he's a just, very good job with yeah, the animation. Yeah, exactly. But he, he's just so small and his face yes. is quite small. So it's hard. There's, there's only two little so eyes limited. sticking up at the top that he's got. Yeah, it's like the animators yeah. are very limited. But in just that his sense. voice and his like his 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 little comments and his little <laughs> attitude. With, you know, with, I know, right? It's when like Triton he, tells him to do stuff. Yeah, I know. David did so yeah. well. And yeah. he kept a lot to the original essence of the original Sebastian, yeah. too. Like when he's going up to King Triton, he's like, all right, got to play it cool. Got to play it cool. He's like, yes. I, I, I mean, yes. <laughs> very, very good. Yes. <laughs> like that, that exact thing is in the original movie. And I love attitude made made him one of my favorite characters. <laughs> my favorite character was Ariel, of course. Mm. I love Ariel. I love the way that she was, that they portrayed her. I feel like characters like this are so tricky of like when she gets to the human world of her kind of looking stupid and like an idiot, but she doesn't. She just looks so naive, just so mm. starry-eyed, so innocent, and she does it so well, and I love that. And yeah, I just love Ariel so much. I will, I will always love Ariel. All right, and which was your favorite song? Oh, Under the Sea. <laughs> it's always been my favorite yeah. song. Even before this movie, anything, Under the Sea is always my favorite song. Yeah, my favorite song is Poor Unfortunate Souls. I oh. just think it's such a fun song, you know? <laughs> I think Melissa McCarthy did very well singing it, performing, mm -hmm. playing as Ursula, again, making it much darker and much creepier mm -hmm. for a live action. So I thought it was really great. You point out too, just the way she moved she as moved. Ursula. I mean, there were some times like when octopus, you saw her you move, know? it was like an octopus moving yeah, because creepy. it was upside down, yeah. sideways, like almost on a wall kind of thing mm -hmm. going around. They really did make her move re realistically. Yeah, no, they, they did a very good job on that. So I really liked it. All right, let's do our five star rating. So out of five stars, what would you give I it? I give it five stars. I love yeah, it. I give it five stars too. <laughs> so you know, out of five. You know, it's funny because I was telling you yesterday that I did see somebody who made a comment before that says, and when they go to see a, a Disney movie, a, even a live action that's a remake or whatever, they go in with a full heart Yeah. because they're a Disney fan and they go in looking to, to, to really enjoy themselves. And I have mm -hmm. to admit, that's how I go into most of these movies. I go in looking to enjoy myself. If you want to find something wrong with it, I'm sure you could find something wrong somewhere if you really wanted to be picky. But I got to tell you, they, this one, they really made the mark. I mean, yeah. they just, you know, there are a couple of them. I have not seen all the live action movies, but I have to admit that most of the live action movies, I think they really do a very good job of bringing them into live action, keeping the, the theme of the movie, keeping mm -hmm. the feeling of the movie, and just doing what they need to do. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think they've mm -hmm. been doing very well with the live action movies, personally. I will say, too, I'm a very easy person to please when it comes to movies. I'm very easily entertained, for <laughs> being honest. But I do think, overall, they've been doing a great job with all the live actions. And one day, we'll have to maybe sit down and rank all the live action movies okay. or something like that. Mm -hmm. I know my mom hasn't seen I haven't all seen of all of them, yes. Mainly, the only one 
you really haven't seen is Cinderella, which no. is like the main big princess one, mm-hmm. which I think, spoiler alert, I think Cinderella is still my favorite. Oh. Although, I don't know, this one has a run for its money because I really like the way that they portrayed this movie very well. So, <laughs> all right, and I'm just quickly looking at my list of things that I wanted them to keep from the original movie to the live action. I think most of them have, I've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Well, he's underrated too. He does a pretty good job. He does, yeah. No, he did you a know, great job did, as well. He wasn't my favorite character, but he did a very good job of being her father and how he, you know, his his emotion when he's trying to mm-hmm. to be a father and being a mother. I know the the feeling is that you know you got this kid who wants to do what they want to do and you're trying to keep him mm-hmm. safe and you you know and they keep looking at you like yeah no nothing's gonna happen to me. We I have the same problem, <laughs> so I can see it. But yeah. I gotta tell you, he did a very good job. Yeah, that was something that everyone kind of thought before the movie came out that they're gonna dive into more was Ariel's mother. It's mentioned in passing that Ariel's mother died because of humans, uh-huh. but it's not mentioned what no, they happened don't say or how. why. And there was always conspiracy theories that Ursula like kind of kind of put, kind of put Ariel's mother in a position to be killed by humans so mm-hmm. that Shrine would dislike the humans. But again, that's not mentioned or implied at all in this movie. So I thought they would go more into that, but they kind of didn't. Mm-hmm. They instead explored Eric's background in the human world more than they explored some right. of our under the water the characters. So yeah, overall both love the movie yes yeah. <laughs> so, do you have any other final thoughts you want to add nope yeah. do we have to have a memory for this one? Oh, well we're, we're going to do some Disney news real quick okay. so we'll, we'll kind of breeze I realize this, this podcast episode is going to be quite long but we'll breeze through some quick Disney news normally in this episode we'd also go through what's new on Disney Plus for June but we'll save that for next episode of what's new on Disney Plus since this episode is already we're already past 45 minute mark of recording oh, wow. okay. um, I'm sure I'll edit this down a little bit though so but that's okay alright so in Disney news the biggest Disney news recently is that the Galactic Star Cruiser is officially closing. <laughs> this last voyage will be on September 28th, 2023. So if you need, if you still want to do the Galactic Star Cruiser, the time is now. You, you should go book your, your voyage now to go on it. Guests who had booked their trips after September would have the opportunity to either, you know, be refunded or change their voyage to something in the summer. The official statement from the Disney team itself was, the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser is one of our most creative projects ever and has been praised by our guests and recognized for a setting of new of a new bar for innovative and immersive entertainment. This premium boutique experience gave us the opportunity to try new things on a smaller scale of 100 rooms. And as we prepare for its final voyage, we will take what we've learned to create future experiences that can reach more of our guests and fans. Which I think is an interesting way of putting, yeah, this flopped. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end of the day, it only flopped because it was so expensive, you know? Well, what I also said is it's it's expensive and you're only going for one or two days, which means that you're also going to other Disney hotels or other hotels mm-hmm. around for the other time, which means you have to pack up and move there, and then you have to pack up again and move out, and it is very expensive. I mean, obviously, people who went really thought it was really great, and I, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they really had a good time, but it is a very expensive experience, and that's a very yeah. limited... Like, to give people an idea, in case you're not sure, the most inexpensive way you could go for this voyage was for two people for two nights for $5,000, mm-hmm. which is kind of a lot if you think about it, for two people for only two nights. I mean, like, not surprised. Again, if you're a family of four or five and you want to take your kids to this, like, you're going way up in, like, almost $10,000 at that point. I'm not a Star Wars fan, obviously, as we all know from our podcasts. But I have to say that you also have to realize that I've been to with you to Hollywood Studios and you can actually immersify yourself in the Star Wars culture just yeah. by being in Hollywood Studios and going into what is it called Batu? Into Batu. Okay, yes. going into Batu and going to Olga. Do, do you know where you where you are on Batu? No. <laughs> But I know I'm in Batu. That was good enough for me. Yes, Batu is the planet. Okay, so well, that's good enough for me. But what I'm thinking is being an outsider, 
okay? When I'm there with you, I'm sitting there watching people go by, doing this, doing that, walking from here, walking from there. You are immersed in there. And if there are people that come, maybe they're not dressed the way they do with this star cruiser. But if you wanted to come dressed, you could. If you wanted to immerse yourself in the culture and go to Ogre's Cantina and eat the foods that they serve and do whatever, you really don't need to spend $5,000 so you can sleep in a in a, yeah. in a starship. Well, it's like you do, like you're on like a mission when you're doing that. Yeah. So it's like you're doing missions when mm-hmm. you're there. You're, again, you're very involved in like what's going on. Yeah, I don't know what the missions are. I've watched some vlogs on it, of course, but mm-hmm. and to tell you anyone in depth, I wouldn't 100% yeah. know. But again, I've only ever heard positive things yes. about the people who I've never heard a it. bad thing about it. Nobody's yeah. complained. Everyone says it's mm-hmm. amazing. I, again, mm-hmm. the only downside is that it is expensive, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, I love that idea of the Well, I think they experience. also opened it at a time when all of a sudden, we are not where we were five years ago. Oh, well, yeah. They people are being COVID. more specific yeah. about what they're spending their money on. Things are not going well for a lot of people, economy-wise. So I think that they opened it at a time when people were not freely spending. Mm-hmm. And I think making choices is something people are doing now with their yeah. money. No, I definitely agree. So very sad that it's closing. Mm-hmm. I know, I wonder what they're going to do with it because sometimes they do turn some of these buildings into other things in the future. Yeah, who knows? I think it would be cool. So I'm just going to throw a few fun little ideas <laughs> out there. It's already connected to Galaxy's Edge. We know that. There's an entrance from there that connects the two together. Right. And we already know the space is quite large, obviously. I think it would be cool if they added another ride into that and they mm-hmm. turned the space into some kind of ride. Don't know how that would look. Don't know what it would be. But it would be cool if it was some kind of ride. Even if it was just maybe a walkthrough experience, like you could walk through it you know and like it'd be all right not a super thrill ride but yeah something but it's some kind of like walk you could immerse yourself into kind something. of like think of like the gorilla falls exploration i know that's very different from what i'm talking about right now no but i but understand what you're saying something where you know? can immerse yourself in yeah in the cult. something like yeah. that or i think they could turn it into some kind of meet and greet type of area where like mm. you can go meet the characters inside i don't know if they would do that because the way batu is set up is that the characters walk around as if you're on the planet with them so mm-hmm. i don't know if they would ever do formal meet and greets like that but i mean like that could be an opportunity maybe again also then the characters could get out of the sun so they can have a chance to sit know, in, you know, in the indoors. But yeah, but it could still be that immersive. List. Like maybe you go into a room with them or something like that. And you know, maybe, or maybe some kind of show or something, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of Star Wars show is inside. I don't know. I think there's a lot of opportunities they have could, to repurpose the area and not just like lose all the money that they spent creating these creating right. these things. And I hope they do something with it. I hope they don't just leave it because it'd be pretty sad they spent all this money, lost all this money. It. And then yeah, to deteriorate. Yeah. So hopefully they're able to repurpose into something else. I'm excited to see what it will look like when the time comes. So I guess we'll find out. All right. Also in some Disney news, if you want to meet the live action Little Mermaid, Ariel herself, she is doing a meet and greet right now in Hollywood Studios. I say that because, of course, the live action Little Ariel on the original Ariel look quite different. Different. They're literally different races. (laughs) So if you want to meet the Ariel that is portrayed in live action movie, you can go meet her right now. But of course, they do still have the original Ariel from the the cartoon movie that you can also meet. And then the last little tidbit of Disney news right now is that in Animal Kingdom, a yellow-backed Dukar calf has been born for the first time in 20 years. So they named the little calf Penny. She's very cute. And she is the daughter to Mother Pearl. She kind of looks like a deer, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. I know I don't, I don't mean to uh, to minimize the yellow-backed Dukars. I, mm-hmm. I think I'm saying that word incorrectly, so I apologize. I but she's very cute, though. She's not currently part of the ride or part of any of the trails. She's currently backstage, but she will be a part of the Gorilla Falls exploration later this summer. So I guess when she gets a little bit older, then they'll, then they you show. know. It's like they did with the baby Yeah, she'll uh, move zebra. to like the, a different habitat. So right mm-hmm. now she's still just backstage as she's still 
still, she was just born. <laughs> so little newborn, very cute. All right, and so just for some Disney birthdays, Goofy's birthday was May 25th. I realized that was a few days ago, but yeah, happy birthday to Goofy. And Tony Stark's birthday is May 29th. So mm. today that the podcast episode is coming out is Tony Stark's birthday, birthday, our favorite Iron Man. May he, may he rest in peace, I guess, in the current Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> but yes. um, yeah, my mom loves Iron Man. That's that the only was, Marvel character I liked. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the only one she actually really likes so, is, is Iron Man. But yeah, so happy birthday to Tony Stark as well. Makes sense too that he's a Gemini, not surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right, and that brings us to our, our last segment here, which is our Disney memory. So do you have a Disney memory in mind? Well, my memory is, is that Little Mermaid, the original, came yeah. out the first time my husband and I went to Disney. We went for a long weekend, spent some time in Disney, some time in Universal. He had friends that were living down there, so we met them. But I remember going, and I remember it was the first time that all the merchandise for Little Mermaid was everywhere. It was all Caribbean. It was all, you know, the under the sea. And mm-hmm. I love that theming, obviously. So it just made an impression on me that every place we went, there was Little Little Mermaid stuff everywhere. Yeah. Everything was Caribbean and under the sea, and they were playing the music everywhere. And they would just, it just, it left a, an impression on me that that was my first time going. I hadn't been to Disney in, I have to say, 15 years. And that first trip back was all Little Mermaid. Themed. Yeah, it's funny. I wish we were at the parks now because that's what the parks look like mm-hmm. now because they have all the new Little Mermaid mm-hmm. merchandise out and they have lots of new treats like new uh-huh. ice creams, yeah. new cakes, new Fun. everything for Little Mermaid. And it's also cute. It's mm-hmm. so pretty. Of course, I love the color. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the train in the background. <laughs> I love the coloring of mm-hmm. the Little Mermaid as well, like those greens and those greens, purples, right. the those sea like greens sea. and the purples yeah, and it's like blues. so pretty. Yes. So it's a very nice aesthetic. Yeah, well, that's what I had the first time. So that's that was a good memory for me. I was trying to think of a specific memory, but one of my favorite memories is that when I graduated high school, we had brought my best friend. Shannon down to Disney World with us and growing up The Little Mermaid was Shannon's absolute favorite princess her favorite movie and so we went to go do the meet and greet with Ariel again we were just you know out of out of college or out of high school and everything and I remember it being so fun because at that point I had not done a meet and greet with a character in many years even when I was in high school we weren't we didn't do meet and greets a lot even to this present day and so we went to go meet Ariel it was so exciting when we went to go meet Ariel and Shannon like got a photo with Ariel and she was talking to us and she was so cute and so like whimsical and it was just so fun seeing like my best friend being able to meet one of her favorite characters, characters in that sense and we still have all the photos that we still talk about and like Shannon does a lot of like the comparing of like the photo when she was like a little girl meeting Ariel to the one in high school and now we have to go back down again so she can meet Ariel as like a proper adult meet Ariel <laughs> we'll have all three photos together but I still remember that I remember being so fun and that is the one and only time I've ever done like a meet and greet with Ariel before and then we did a few of the meet and greets that overall trip because that trip we also did one with Mulan so I got a photo with Mulan and we did one with Donald Duck too outside the Mexican pavilion so he was dressed up as the three caballeros in that outfit. But I just remember that memory. It was just such a sweet memory. And I actually remember like the outfit that Shannon was wearing because I have the photos. So she's wearing like her orange tank top and her headband. That was really fun though. So yeah, Shannon, if you're listening, I love that memory. That's one of my favorite memories of us when we went to Disney was when you got to meet Ariel. So yeah, do you have any anything else to add for nope. our podcast? I think you covered it well. Yeah, no, for sure. So we'll, we'll wrap up now. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast of our kind of our deep dive review of the live action Little Mermaid and going through some of the differences between the original movie and the live action movie. Make sure you're following us on social media. We are currently Spaceship Earth Design across all social platforms. I will say that may change in the future because they may be rebranding our social platforms in the future. But also always keep the note, we always have links in the description and the links will always be up to date no matter if anything changes in the future. 
Also make sure you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are currently listening to the podcast. You can listen to the Mother Daughter Disney Podcast on any platform that podcasts are available to listen to on. And yeah, let us know what you think of the movie. Have you gone to see it yet? Are you going to wait till it comes out in Disney Plus? Or did you go see it opening weekend like we did in a packed theater filled with children? <laughs> so <laughs> it's always fun seeing a kid's movie opening weekend. <laughs> <You know? laughs> always lots of little children. But, but yeah, so, so yeah, so are you going to go planning on seeing the movie, supporting the movie? Yeah, let us know. Again, let us know what you think of the movie or let us know some of the differences too between the original movie and the live action movie. I would love to hear your thoughts. I will have an Instagram post up specifically for this podcast episode. My mom and I took a photo with the Little Mermaid display <laughs> in the movie theater, which my mom did not like the photo. Yeah, I, told Amanda, I told Amanda yesterday, I'm trying to grow old in anonymity and she's not making it easy. <laughs> yeah, we took a photo. So that will be the photo that we'll, we'll discuss the Little Mermaid in the comments. So definitely leave a comment on that. But yeah, anyway, though, thanks so much for listening. So we'll see you all next week. Okay, bye. Thanks. Bye.